discuss the ins, discuss the outs, and let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about. Hey, my name is Fergal Curtis, I'm an artist, and yes, COVID-19 has thrown a few spanners in the works when it comes to being an artist in Ireland. Hashtag Save the Arts has been trending over the last few months as many artists' careers have been shaken up. The arts have never been more important during a time of uncertainty. However, not everyone sees it like that. And are the artists who've been entertaining you for the last few months really being supported? I've started this podcast to bring together a diverse group of artists from different backgrounds and get their take on being an artist during these very strange times. We're going to talk about how the arts are viewed in Ireland, what support is out there during these times, as well as the artists' personal experiences and their views on the future of the arts. So let's get to it. Let's talk about the arts. My guest today is the intelligent, talented and inspiring dancer, actor, model, creator, and all-around boss lady, Stephanie Dufresne. I met Steph in 2018 in a co-production of Orfeo et Oridice with Irish National Opera and United Fall. From day one, I was in awe of her talent. After a stint in Galway Arts Festival, where we were met with Steph's face on buses, shops and posters every corner we turned, and a revival tour in 2019, my admiration and my love grew for her. She trained at the Rotterdam Dance Academy in the Netherlands, and a few years later at Bow Street in Dublin. Her artistry and talent has seen her perform across Ireland, the UK and the Netherlands. Before lockdown hit, myself and Steph found ourselves in another production together, Carmen, with Irish National Opera. The day we got the word that the production wouldn't be going ahead, we sat in a coffee shop together pondering what was going to happen for the next few months. That would be our last coffee date for a while. Steph took to the scenic backdrop of Canvara, County Galway, where she is from, and went into lockdown with her boyfriend and parents. We have spoken regularly throughout this isolating time and I'm looking forward to her giving her insights on what this time has meant to her personally and the career she has dedicated so much time to. So, without further ado, please welcome the enchanting Stephanie Dufresne. I feel like we're you? getting married. That's beautiful. <laughs> I'm great. I, I had totally forgotten, but you're right. You were the last person I had coffee with yeah. for like four months. Maybe. I know that was a crazy day, wasn't it? That was bizarre. Mm-hmm. It was bizarre. And do you remember we, so I had actually found out that the production was going to be cancelled yeah. when I was at home. Yes. Was like, oh, okay. Went into rehearsals ready to be like, okay, that's it. Go home. It's yeah. over. Yeah. And I arrived to an empty room. Yeah. And they're like, Fergal, did you not get our email? And I was like, what? I was like, are you joking? Check my email. Don't come into rehearsal today. This isn't happening. Put in a much more You wanted the drama at the moment, which you are absolutely entitled to, Ferg. So I've given you a little bit of an introduction. Yeah. But can you just kind of talk us through, you know, how you got into the arts and more importantly, like what the arts actually mean to you oh well i feel like you uh, gave me a much better introduction than i'll give myself model <laughs> yes i think so no um okay so i my introduction to the arts i grew up in the west of ireland in Kinvara. Uh, my mother is uh from wexford and my father's uh, american and she my mom is very artistic so she was um uh, an actor and also an opera singer which came up last year when we were doing orfeo yes um was that i had i had never performed in the wexford opera house House. uh before then but my grandmother and my mother had both been on the wexford opera stage as opera singers with the wexford opera when they had community choirs yeah so when i was growing up both my mother and my grandmother would sing a lot and they would they loved opera they would always go to the wexford and didn't she sing k for o 
Yes, we yes. found we found Kay Faro uh, when we were clearing out her house. She passed away last year, and we yeah. found Kay Faro in I, whatever key. Uh, yeah, she had it in. So, which is one of the areas yeah, in the offer that we were doing. So that was a yeah. very meaningful show for me. Um, but yes, yeah, so I grew up kind of a, around a lot of the arts, and Mom would have been sort of constantly dragging me to museums and theater. I went to theater much more uh, happily. Uh, so we would have <laughs> gone to like Druid, and I grew up in Galway, which is incredible because you have the Goy Arts Festival. So um, I was seeing a lot of very good theater. And then when I was about 14, 15, I saw two amazing dance shows. And one of them was um, Hubbard Street Dance Theater from Chicago doing Marguerite Donlan, who's actually an Irish choreographer and uh, an Israeli choreographer called Ohad Naharain. And I saw another show by what would become my dance teacher, Jude Sibley, where she had neoclassical ballet to the music of Patty Casey. And I mean, I remember that really vividly, me in the drive home being like, oh my God, this is someone's job. They are paid, that's, they're paid to get up there and dance. And I just thought that's the coolest thing ever. And I was like 14. So I was um, doing a lot of gymnastics, but it was late. So I, I started, I did a summer camp because I wanted to do hip hop basically. And then I saw ballet and then I fell madly in love with ballet. And then I was Basically obsessed for, I would say, four years just doing ballet mm-hmm. moves in the kitchen nonstop. And mom was driving me in and out to, of Goa City five times a week to do dance. And then when, when I was 18, I, when I was 17, I auditioned for schools and I got into one in the Netherlands. So then when I was 18, I went to Holland, which a lot of dancers do in Ireland. They either oh, go to the UK okay. or they go to Holland because there's no third level dance education here. Here, yeah. So you have to emigrate. So I chose Holland because they have a lot more money for the arts in Holland than the UK. And also the fees are much, it's subsidized education, so the fees are much cheaper. So then I spent four years in Rotterdam. Actually, no, I spent two years in Arnhem and then I changed schools and I went to Rotterdam. And that was a very, very good training. A very intense when I think about it now. Like at the time, I, I just sort of, you just do it. But like when I look back on it now, I'm like, was dancing eight hours a day, I guess, five days yeah. a week for four years and with, you know, incredible dancers and it was a lot. So I did that. And then I was always, I would often get chosen for pieces in which I was dancing, but I would also use my voice and I really enjoyed that. And I had always been acting growing up. I Stephanie would, has a beautiful singing voice. <laughs> Fergal is me singing teacher <laughs> and I'm trying very hard. But I, so I would, I would be hired like to dance, but also to talk or to sing, um, which I really enjoyed. And then I kind of, I was working in the UK just as a dancer. And actually what was happening was I was going out with an actor in the Netherlands and I was seeing him do stuff. And I was like, I could do that. So then I decided to go to Bow Street, which is an academy for screen acting in Dublin. So then I spent two years there and I did screen acting. And so since then, and that lasted till 2017, since then I've worked in uh, dancing and acting and film, let's say, and kind of combining my skills in whatever way is possible, which I really love doing. There isn't so much work for that, but when there is, I really enjoy doing it. You jump into it. And I make my own work as well, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of roughly it, Ferg. So let's go back to January 2020. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, hopeful time. <laughs> How was, like, 2020 looking for you um, before we had yeah. any whiff of, like, COVID-19? It was looking good. There were a couple... It wasn't my busiest year, but it also okay. wasn't, you know, that quiet. Like, I was... I'm normally... The last two years I've been involved in the Galway Arts Festival and the yeah. Midsummer Festival, which I wasn't this year, but that's fine. So I had... I was going to do three different productions with Irish National Opera, including Carmen... A revival of least like the other, which yeah. is a piece we did for the Galway Arts Festival last year. Which I'm and hoping we can discuss a little bit later. Yes, which, it's really cool. fingers crossed, is still happening. Mm-hmm. And also William Tell. Um, and I also had a piece for Galway 2020. I am involved was involved with a guy called James Reardon, who was a theatre company in, in Galway called Brew Theatre. So I was going to do something for that. So all of that stuff, not all of that stuff, but three of those, two of those pieces have been postponed to yeah. at least 2020. So nothing was cancelled, just postponed. I mean, postponed f- for two years, which for me, I'm like, you know, I'm like, I have no, I don't know who I'm, I yeah. don't know what I'm going to be doing. In How are you meant so. to know where you're going to be in I two have years? No idea. And it's I'm so difficult. It's really tough. Yeah. And I'm also studying part time, as you know. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just a very lot. I mean, I'm kind of like just about surviving year by year, which I think most freelancers are. So when you, yeah. when something is like 2022, it's like, okay, well. 
just cancel it. it I find it hard to look to like next week. Yeah, I don't. So when I'm getting emails being like, we're going to do this possibly in 2022, I'm like, mm, watch it. Yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> very, I just think, because like, how are we going to make money till then? I don't know. So I've had two pieces yeah. postponed. And another piece I actually just did last week, it was supposed to be a live performance in May and James rejigged it. So it's now a VR installation. Cool. So we recorded that last week. So that's great. And then at least like the other, um, we crossed. are hoping to go on tour yeah. with in September uh, in an amended version. Mm. So you mentioned Galway Arts Festival. You grew yeah. up at Galway Arts Festival. Yeah. yeah. The last two years you've yeah. performed there. Yeah. You're back in Galway. Yeah. The festival isn't happening. I know what like what are you kind of thinking does that bring up any emotions for you or it's I think it's sad it's certainly sad for me but I think it's sort of sad for Galway you know I mean yeah I've, I grew up at the Galway Arts Festival I mean I when I was 16 years old I was an apprentice dancer in a show there and I remember dancing on stage in the rowing club with the Buena Vista Social Club it was like and that's also one of the reasons I was like well this seems fun you know if yeah. I was gonna do something as a career this seems like a nice time is it like performing at home yeah yeah. yeah, it's great because for so many years, I was seven years away, um, like yeah. yourself. So when you're away, uh, of course, my parents would come see the work because they're really adorable. But the majority of the time I was coming home and telling people what I was doing and they had no idea. So what's great about Galway is people say to me all the time, oh, I'd love to see you dance. You're and like a little Galway, celeb down there, aren't you? Well, I wouldn't, go, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But no, it's great in the summer because then I can be like, well, if you want to see me dance, you can come on the 17th yeah. and 18th of July to the Black Box. Um, so that's, yeah, I, re I mean, I think that's the dream, isn't it? To like bring your art form home to where you Absolutely, from. yeah. And like home always has a special place. And I think for me, like going to London for so many years was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I loved my time there. But there kind of isn't anything like performing at home because yeah. people can come see yeah. you and almost get it. Like not a lot of my family are involved in the arts. Yeah, yeah. So when they get to come and see it and be like, oh, cool. Oh, okay. Like, Absolutely. That's really nice. Yeah. Well, that's the thing because it's so, I'm not saying niche, but especially contemporary dance is very hard to describe to people. So unless they've seen it, you're kind of, I mean, sometimes I'm like, have you seen ballet? Have you seen hip hop? Okay, mm -hmm. if you've seen anything that's not ballet or hip hop, it's probably contemporary dance. You end yeah. up finding these very creative ways to explain to people. So it's much easier when I can say, Come see the show and I'm in the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a great arts festival. And I think for everyone this year, it was very bittersweet. I was yeah in town for a costume fitting and a rehearsal with James standing outside the town hall theater during the Galway Arts Festival week and the town hall is closed. And I was like, oh, my God, it really hits home in those moments, doesn't it? Like yeah. even like I should be doing this now. I'm not yeah. doing it. But then maybe yeah. being outside the theater or being outside the rehearsal venue you were meant to be in. Yeah. That really makes you go, or seeing someone who was meant to be in the production being like, hey, how are you yeah. getting on? That really hits home mm. for me. I'm like, oh yeah. Because other than that, you can kind of just get on with it. Yeah, we sort of exist in a bubble, you know? It's very like protected, but definitely I had lots of waves of like, and how I was describing to people is, you know, you and I, we work so hard to get these gigs. When you're a freelancer, every yeah. time you finish a gig, it's like, well, I'm unemployed potentially <laughs> exactly. for the rest of my life now. You know, you, know. Work, you work years and years and years to establish those relationships. So to have four shows in a year canceled or altered yeah. is really devastating because we don't work that much. So when we get the work, we're super grateful and super excited to hang out with our friends and yeah, do the thing exactly. we love doing. Because what I love is in, especially in, my art form, which is opera, you're always in and out of the room or in and out of concerts with the same people. And you build up these really lovely relationships and you become really good friends and they become part of your like outside life and they're part of your work yeah. life. And it is this like amazing yeah. thing being in Ireland. Like I think that yeah. that's one of the positive things about the arts yeah, in Ireland is, true. yes, it's very small, but that means that you get yeah. to like perform with your friends yeah. or people you just love working with. Yeah, that's very true. You know? Yeah. I want to move to um, talking about funding. Yes. I know that you've had a lot of experience with funding. You've had so, a lot yeah. of success, but maybe recently, if you don't mind talking no, about course. it, uh, some disappointment. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. What can you kind of talk us through? Maybe some of the success first. Let's try and be yeah, positive. Yeah, we'll start, start on the positive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that kind of leads in because even I was just thinking when you were talking there about kind of work, uh, life, family, you know, and working with the same people that that was one of the things I found very difficult in lockdown was I was doing, I've done two applications in lockdown thus far. I'm probably going to do about four, let's say, but um when I'm doing applications, I just found this time I was talking to someone in the Arts Council and I said, I feel really 
I'm not going to say, yeah, lonely and like kind of isolated in this yeah. process because normally when I'm doing, because I work freelance, I don't have somewhere I go every week, nine to five. Normally I run into people at shows or I run into people when I'm working and I say, hey, how did you get on with this application? Is this what I'm supposed to do? But now because I'm sitting in Kinvara on my own, there was none of that. So, yeah. I mean, uh, basically I've had two bursaries from the Arts Council over the last five years, um, both of which were great for mentored uh, one of them was for a mentorship to, to work on a solo. And the second one was to research um, dance in uh, tandem with the poetry of a friend of mine called Danny Gill, whose um, poetry anthology After Love is yeah, really very meaningful to me. So we got money to do that, both of which were fab. Uh, and then I uh, have, but, but I was rejected for a project award last year and I applied for Next Gen this year and I also didn't get that. So Kind of the way the Arts Council works, especially when you're a new maker, is you really sort of have to be applying for everything. And there yeah. is a, a skill and a um, process. This is what I was going to ask. Like, it's yeah. such a skill. And for me, mm. I've never, like, gone down the route of applying for... Yeah. You know, in college, yes, I applied for funding and stuff like that. But That's applying good. for, like, Arts Council for work, I've never done that because I've yeah. auditioned, gotten mm. a job, and that's how I've kind of worked. Yes, and I think a lot of people have worked like that. Do mm. you think that applying for like funding now is going to become more competitive? Because people yeah. will want to create their yeah. own work. I think it is. It's certainly going to be more competitive during this period because as yeah. I was saying to people, you know, we have this 25 million from the Irish government for the pandemic towards the Arts Council. Yeah. Only 9 million of that will go to freelance performers and they won't hand that money out. How we get that money is we have to complete very arduous and extensive comprehensive applications for project awards, bursaries. They have a thing called commissions yeah. now. Um, so... It's a very, I do think it's going to get more competitive because I think now the industry is collapsing and there's less and less institutions making work yeah. or production houses or, or project awards. So I think a lot of us are um, fighting for a couple of scraps in terms of bursaries. And it's it's already very competitive and there's already a lot of artists applying. The only reason I applied for funding for it is because I wasn't getting enough work as a freelancer to sustain me and I don't have another job. So I was like, well, I better start like kind of hustling my own projects. And the only reason I know how to do it is because I've just done it you know so i wouldn't say that you learned on the job yeah there's no like um training you can do for that they certainly weren't telling us in our conservatory how to do that so how to do applications no, no. you just got to do it and you or you got to find a friend who's a producer and jump in but like that's why i started making work because i was like oh there isn't enough projects to keep me going i better start but you have reached out to people to help you who are yeah, maybe absolutely. more absolutely um yeah experienced in it yeah well that's i mean that is one important lesson that i learned i would say the last five years in terms of my applications is actually when you ask people for help um normally they're really happy to do it and they're very sweet about it yeah because yeah. i'm always kind of terrified i'd say no more so than the rest of us i'm i've asked really like high profile people before to be my mentor or to i asked uh alwyn furray to be on my bursary application in the last round and yeah you know, that some of that some of those uh, emails are very intimidating for me but actually sometimes when you send them they come back with really nice responses and they're people want to help yeah they're normally more than happy so that's a good tip i would say is just ask for help just ask yeah and if they say no fine nothing's it's really totally changed fine you know and you pitch the email like you know if you're too busy absolutely i've know. found that about this podcast is yeah. just actually contacting cassie and being like can we just meet up and like so much help mm. there and then everyone i've contacted has just been so like yeah, yeah, yeah. let's it's like let's it's give it a shot or give me more affirming. information no one kind of gets back and goes no, no, no see you no. later not interested yeah i think a lot of people are willing to help you out absolutely um, and i think that that's important especially at this time totally is that we like yeah. come together as a community yeah absolutely it's very affirming and i think there especially as irish people i would say there is a hesitancy to put ourselves out there and to ask for help absolutely and I think you're right that this is actually a really good time to come together and to say what are the things that maybe i've had an idea in the back of my head for for a long time and that I yeah. might be interested in. Like I wrote a short film script that I'm workshopping at the moment. And, you know, so sometimes you need a global pandemic to... Uh... To push <laughs> you into it. Yeah, because I've been thinking about doing a podcast, I think two or three years. Yeah. And it's been like two or three years of ideas. Yeah. Talking to friends, procrastinating. And then it is just something like this where... I don't know what's happening with my career for the next while. Yeah. I've lost a lot of work yeah. and now it's just kind of like, might as well jump into something 
that is a bit scary. Yeah, which is so great. I think yeah, that's, that's it's a really, exciting. That's a really positive on top of all the negatives we've just outlined. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I have to be aware not to make this too negative. Yes, um, I think that's... But, not really a great segue, but Steph has kindly said she will talk about her mental health <laughs> during this time. <laughs> just to go negative. Just, just to for, go to the Just for depths. a period and then we'll, we'll pick it back up, yeah. Because um, Steph is someone who's always spoken very openly about her yeah. mental health to me. And she's always been very honest with me and very helpful because, as you know, only recently I'm going through something mm. and you have been through it in the past and you've yeah. been there to kind of go, it's okay. It's not as taboo as you think. Yeah. Um, but like, where was your mental health before any of this hit? The pandemic, and yeah. Before the pandemic yeah. kind of hit, like, what was your mental health over the last few years? Just to give people a little bit of a background, if you don't mind. Yeah, totally. Um, over the last few years, I mean, my mental health, uh, how, do, how do we dive into this? I speak really openly about it because I think it's very important. And I think lots of freelancers actually are really struggling and need help. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to talk about mental health issues, but my mental health and uh, especially problems with depression and anxiety is something yeah. I've dealt with for the last actively the last 10 years but I think I've really had issues with it for my whole life which is what has led me to be to study part-time now um counseling and psychotherapy because therapy is something that has helped me so much so you know honestly Ferg I would say that pre-pandemic my mental health was I'm not gonna say tenuous enough but like I have to work every day to exercise to eat I have a wonderful boyfriend a very supportive family I take medication for my (laughs) shout out to my boyfriend um, I take meds for my anxiety. That's something that I'm kind of always on and off. Yeah. So it's it's a process for me. And for sure, without a doubt, for freelancing and the arts is very bad for my mental health. It it's triggers things. An extra challenge, yeah. Because I'm someone who would really enjoy some security and mm-hmm. some regularity as well. And yeah. that's just not the... So that's kind of a constant conflict for me is my job doing the thing that I love doing so much. Yeah. But the, all the problems that all the the difficulties that come with that job and as a result I have to be very active in like protecting my mental health so I would say it was sort of it was good because like the last year and a half that I've been with my boyfriend I'm much calmer because he's very steady and he gives me a lot of support um but I think that the pandemic you know and then in some ways Ferg I think I was maybe better able to handle the pandemic than other people who have a lot of security because you and I, like I remember when they cancelled everything and everyone was freaking out. I I wasn't scared. I was was like, like, this is just my life. This is it. Every time a gig ends, you know, okay, the gig ended early. Okay, now I'm unemployed again. Well, that's a familiar feeling to me. So um, in that sense, I feel I was readier than some people when this all started. But certainly in the, I've definitely had waves where I've had to go, wow, it's really sad that all this work was cancelled. And I don't know when it's going to happen again. And uh, that's very overwhelming. But that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm good though. I'm stable. For me as well, like lockdown, initially I was like, yeah, cool. I do this all the time. This is fine. But a lot of my coping mechanisms were taken away. Yeah. And mechanisms that I didn't even think were coping mechanisms. Um, And then I was just kind of like, oh, I can't go and meet so-and-so for yeah. a coffee. Or I can't go and do a certain thing or take myself on a little date yeah. and look after myself in certain ways. Yeah. And it kind of became for a while, like, I'm just going to sit here with these feelings that I know, but I also know how to distract myself. And I think coming out of it, it's positive because it's like, okay, I have to kind of face some demons, which is not fun. But at the same time, I know what I can, how I can distract myself. So that's been a positive and negative thing for me. Were there any like coping mechanisms that were taken away from you? Well, I would say, yeah, actually, I didn't realize how much I need to run into people where this thing about applications that like, I'm just I go to a lot of theater. That's really I really enjoy it. And that's where I meet my friends. And that's how you you know, you talk about work. And, and I'm when I'm normally when I work in the studio, I'm with my pals. So I didn't realize until that was taken away how much I need my social network that yeah. I probably don't even actively make time for. I'm just like, well, I'll see this person and, you know, I'm, or, you know, it's just yourself, part of your life. Like, yeah. just, when you live in Dublin city, it's very easy to, to bump into people. So I would say that that was very difficult. Um, 
kind of everything else was okay. I mean, I was very lucky because I was in the west of Ireland with me fella and my parents and we have a beautiful house and yeah. nature. And so that I'm very, very grateful for because I know there's, I can have to imagine there's a lot of people stuck in one bit in Dublin city yeah. center. Well, I was in a tiny flat mm. and the minute it happened, I was like, no. And I went straight out to my parents um, because there's like a lovely park there. We're right beside the mountains. There's just more space. Yeah. Um, but not everyone kind of has that option yes um what did you kind of find helped you during this time that maybe you wouldn't have done before sourdough <laughs> <laughs> yes i've had a very personal journey with sourdough no uh, i had a lot of, i had a lot of time seriously though so i had a lot of time sorry i haven't tried the sourdough oh ferg i will make some for you when i'm back in Kivara because i got the well, starter I and I, yeah you i will be <laughs> but i want to get it fresh so actually maybe i'll figure out a way to make it here in dublin but we need a, okay we need, you need to prove it it's a whole thing um, my sister-in-law is a really good baker, so she gave me a starter. No, my mum's friend gave me a starter and uh, Lauren gave me the recipe. And I got really into like the process of making something over a couple days because normally if you're working, you don't have time and you're leaving the house. Sourdough takes, I, I start it the night before, the next day I put flour in it, four hours later I have to fold it every 20 minutes for uh, three hours so it's a whole thing it's a process but, um, i really enjoyed it um because there's something about yeah getting into food that connects you to like time and your environment and, and nature oh and i love I that don't love cooking so i actually have taken this time to invest in that yeah and nature and spending time with my cat that really helped me as well oh what's touched. the cat's name rua rua cute <laughs> very touched her. i think people's think... pets really came into their own yeah lockdown. well my sister just got a dog just before lockdown yeah. and great choice oh it's so much joy we've looked after him quite a bit and he's just now he's so bold he has ran away from me twice um he has he's like, a baby now. panicked he's... me yeah. Um, but he's amazing and it's just so much joy to have like, yeah, you know, and I love taking him to the dog park and just so like fun. watching him run. Like yeah. something so simple. I think this time has made me realize the simple things are actually like the most joyous, you know. And I've like kind of been like, oh, I don't need to do this to be yeah. happy or I don't need to focus on this mm-hmm. to be happy, even though I'll probably focus on like career yeah. and all those other things. But it's kind of like shown me, no. Watching a dog run is enough. It's sometimes enough for me today. It's lovely. I know. I do think that that's a real plus of lockdown is everyone's spending a lot of time with the people that matter to them and we're yeah. spending time in nature if you're lucky. And what else is there, Ferg? You know? I th- yeah. At the end of the day. Mm. Um, but I do really appreciate that you speak so honestly about it. And I would say that like, if anyone is struggling mm. in this time, like I think some things are still so taboo for me and mm. I don't want to. Mm. Like, if I was talking to a friend, I'd be like, that's not taboo. Look yeah, after yeah. yourself. Like, I can do the kind of textbook. Yeah, but when it's yourself, it's something so different. Mm. What would you kind of say to someone who's like, in lockdown, career's up in the air, and, you know, for me, I'm like, trust your gut and just go to the doctor yeah. or go yeah, talk to yeah, someone yeah. you trust. Yeah. Um but because that's helped me, but it can sometimes take a while to build up the courage to do that. I think do you have it any does other... take a while. Yeah, I know. I think just what you're saying, I think it's important to talk about it. I guess that's why I talk about it so openly, because that's part of my process also for asking for help. Mm-hmm. That if I that if I know I'm having a bad couple of days, I'm going to tell my boyfriend, I'm going to tell my parents. And then, yeah. I, and then I'm not holding that inside me, trying to pretend to be functional when I'm feeling like rubbish. So I would say gently and where possible, maybe find someone that you like talking to. Yeah. And absolutely, you know, for go to the doctor because, or go, go to a therapist, because I just think mental health, especially in Ireland, is so dangerous. And I would hate to think there are people putting stuff off to the point where it's no longer manageable. Exactly. So, yeah, it's not, and, it, and it, I know it can take so much courage to like go to a therapist and go to the doctor, but they're by and large, they're really nice people and they want to help you and they're not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do, but they're just going to give you options. Exactly. Um, I want to kind of move to Heather Humphrey's comments mm. recently mm. Um, about retraining and reskilling. Now she has since come out and said it's not directed toward the arts. The original comments were never directed mm. toward the arts. However, it did create a kind of um, backlash with people in the arts industry. Yeah. Now, you have actually decided to go back to college. 
way before the yeah. pandemic and you're doing a four-year degree in psychology and counseling counseling and psychotherapy apologies no um why did you decide to do that like it was a year ago it was this time a year ago yeah it was a, it's, yeah. yeah i mean i had thinking about it i had been thinking about it for a long time um you know it i guess for a lot of the reasons i we've been talking about there which is making a living from freelance performing mm-hmm. is very difficult but also I got to a point where I was like, I have to take care of myself by supporting my work with something else that is more stable, that also really interests me. Yeah. But that isn't, because, you know, like the, I get, I mean, we face so much rejection for it and it's very, um, it can be very um, wearing. Yeah. So a lot of my support for that has been my family, but also psychotherapy. And I, uh, started going to therapy uh, 10 years ago and I can remember like very early on in the process being like, this is really cool. Maybe one day I'll be the person on the other side of the couch. You know, very early on, I was like, oh, this is a really cool job. And I'm like so interested in it. Yeah, I love yeah. it, you know. And I would have, I mean, I'd say the last 10 years, I'm always reading uh, kind of pop psychology or neuroscience or mm-hmm. behavioral psychology books. So it's just something I'm super interested in. So yeah, I made the decision because it's a part-time course. I don't, so every Saturday for like nine or 10 months. And I said, you know what, I'm going to try and see. I was very concerned about it clashing with my performative work. Cause I still feel like my performative work is my main job, let's say. Mm-hmm. But I also said, you know what, I could be putting this off for another 15 years and I'd be and you never know and then I started it last year I was so worried about uh Carmen and the 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 therapy course clashing that I was like making these provisions in case I missed classes and then in the end Carmen swooped in I just thought (laughs) you know you got to do the things you're interested in when you want to do them because you could be making excuses until the end of time and I you know and I might finish this course and it not have really been a problem and then I have an extra you know so um I decided to do it for money, but also for my own sense of wellness and stability. Was it a kind of comfort to have that during the pandemic? Because you were still studying. It really was. Yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, we were all, you know, it's a pity to have to do a counseling psychotherapy course over Zoom. But then, you know, the way it's going, there might be more therapy happening on Zoom anyway. So we were practicing those skills. Mm -hmm. And I had my essays to do, which I love doing. Um, So, yeah, it was very, very comforting to have... Uh, so, I mean, I have a couple of friends who are like doctors or pharmacists okay. who went back to doctoring or pharmacying during the pandemic. And that was really useful for them. And s- similarly, having stuff to do um, sitting in Canvara was very, yeah. So good. in regards to um, these comments of retrain and rescale, what's your view on that having made the decision a year ago to mm. go back and retrain in something not step no, away from your No, no. I mean, I don't. So I, I did actually, I was very mad about this Fergal. And okay. then I read her I'm doll ready. statement. <laughs> and uh, as far as I can see, she wasn't talking about artists. I don't, I can't actually remember what she was talking about. But when I read it, I went, oh yeah, actually she was being very nice to the artist. So I don't believe yeah. that she was saying this, but it did really, it hit a, it hit a nerve for yeah. uh, performers everywhere. Understandably so, because I do not feel that the arts need to be subsidized by the government. And as it stands in Ireland, I'm sure Tom Creed will tell you all about this on, in your next episode, but the arts funding in Ireland, it's 0.2% of our GDP go- goes towards culture. It's um, so low. Yeah, which is, it's a third of the average in Europe. And it makes us in the bottom three of European countries um, in terms of what we should be giving towards the arts. It's unbelievably low. And I just feel, I guess it's very angering for me then when I see ministers or leo quoting poetry or you know ireland Mm -hmm. you know people in government talking about how important the arts are to ireland and how much it contributes to the wellness of the you know society but also like to tourism and then to have that not met fiscally because as tom will tell you i'm sure the national campaign for the arts have been got a pledge from the government in 2017 to double the arts spending by in five years and i think we're like maybe 10 percent closer to that happening they've done very very little in terms of raising the arts yeah. budget so the government not yeah the government NCFA. not no and national campaign for the arts are doing great work so yeah it's um i think that the arts are an essential uh element of society and that they need to be supported by the government rather than commercial ventures because that changes the whole enterprise of um why it's happening and do I think we should be retraining? No. I mean, okay. I, like I uh, I think some of the problem for me, Ferg, is I studied in a country where it is possible to make a living from the arts comfortably and where you're supported by the infrastructure. Um, 
whether that's social welfare or grants for education, there's like a there's like a retraining grant actually for dancers in their 40s in the Netherlands oh, if wow. they decide they want it. It's very, very well supported. So I think that in some ways that gave me um, an unrealistic expectation of how it would be here in Ireland, which is a pity, but it's not to say that it shouldn't be like that. And it yeah. really grates against me when I hear people say that it's not an, I don't know to say adequate, it's not an appropriate way to make a living because... Hmm. I just, I believe for me, it is so important in this country. And I think that that is, you know, when they've done studies about, you know, the government puts one euro into the arts and it gets two euros back in terms of yeah. the economy, in terms of like um, other industries that benefit from. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, also the people you're telling to retrain, I mean, not that she said that, but yeah, these are uh, artists train for long periods of their lives to be as good as if not their whole life their whole lives yeah yeah if not yeah. literally you're their constantly entire developing lives. and yeah. changing and i believe that it is um an essential part of there's actually the ncfa the national campaign for the arts have a 30 second video if you go onto their website mm. and it literally sums up for someone who maybe doesn't understand mm. how much they're involved with the arts someone who doesn't work in the arts it sums up how much the arts are in everyone's life Amazing. and how important it is it's like Everything like from poetry, reading, yeah. film, they like do loads yeah. of flash up things. Yeah. And it's really cool. Even for me, I was like, oh yeah, that's an artist creating that. Yeah. Um, and I think that obviously I'm in the art, so it's really important to me. Mm. But I think for anyone who isn't in the arts, go and watch this like quick little 30 mm. second video and you'll kind of realize that's one of the things that has gotten me through this time when maybe yeah. I've lost my career or yeah. Yeah. something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's inextricable and essential. Yeah, on a side note, because you trained in the Netherlands and worked there mm -hmm. um, and the arts is really supported mm -hmm. there, what do you think that they're doing over there that we could like bring here? Or what's like missing here that... I think it's, you know, I know it's simplistic, but it's just money for, you know, it's, yeah. they're a very progressive country and they, it's part of their remit. I mean, another comparable country, Germany, they just um, set aside 50 billion for the pandemic arts relief fund in mm -hmm. Berlin. Um, so it's just that the Germans have made it a point and the Dutch have made it a point that the arts is a vital part of their government and their constitution. And they're going to value that and acknowledge that through money. So if yeah. we are constantly under-resourcing, because I mean, if there's something happening in, um, you know what, I won't even get into it. There's something, artists are the first, are people that you can, if, when something happens, our money falls through, we don't get paid. There's no other industry in the world where you could not pay your workers and there wouldn't be uh, riots yeah. in the street. But dancers, for example, and opera singers are two mm -hmm. of the only industries in the world that don't have unions, which I also yeah. think is a massive issue. And I know is something that, um, people are floating the idea of at the moment is unionizing and it that is also something to do with and it's something I'm very outspoken about but like a kind of a culture of fear and of scarcity within the arts Absolutely. Um, that I'm very against and what it means is that like if people if I turn down a job because it's not enough pay there might be someone behind me who'll take it because there's no set rate of pay the repercussions of like looking after yourself or respecting yourself, I suppose. Yeah, and, and saying, then you might this is get my... so and so or and, and but they'll get someone else to do that job because dancers are so trained to like kind of accept anything and sort of also to accept abuse. Like it's a very regimented, very disciplined um industry. So kind of the idea of standing up for yourself or of saying this is my rate and this is my rate is very unusual and it's been something I'm very passionate about since I started working because like the way I see it it's not just for me it's for people who work it's for dancers coming after me that they're coming yeah. into industry where there is some kind of regulation around pay and there is you know maybe sick days maybe understudies maybe Eternity a pension you know all this stuff, stuff like that, that is so workers rights are really really um badly neglected in the arts and it's something that we have to address together yeah what would you want the future of the arts to be for you uh, that's um i think it's i think we're gonna have another one to possibly three years of weirdness okay my father's a biomedical engineer so he's very confident that there's going to be a vaccine but these vaccines take time and you know they'll give them first to like frontline it's going to take time i'm concerned mm -hmm. that this is going to be a much longer process than we think it's going to be so i do think things are going to be different but i mean in terms of live theater i can only hope and pray that things will return to what is normal for us which is 
you know, gatherings of people to watch shows, um, yeah. which is an essentially human thing that I feel we need to do. So, I mean, I'm, it's a, I'm, I'm kind of confused as to what's going to happen for, I'm, you know, part-time studying and I'm also working the arts and I'm very hopeful that everything is going to, yeah. this ship is going to ride itself and things are going to go back to normal, but I'm, yeah. let's say mentally preparing myself for. I think like this time has kind of like lifted a lid on the arts. Yeah. And for me anyway, has also shown me how much we're not supported or how confusing things are. So I'm hoping I've stolen this from Tom Creed. I will mm. tell him when I'm chatting to mm. him. He said recently, I heard him say a better normal. Yeah. So not looking for a new normal, but yeah, a better yeah, normal. Yeah. What would be like a better normal for you? Like if you could say this time is going to change the arts, what for you would mm. be the better normal? Better normal would be um, better funding. So if mm -hmm. we could ha match European standards, at least, if not above, in terms of funding for our artists, and also more provisions in terms of, I know they just rolled out this artist dole, but something like France has a system where if a freelancer works six months a year, the other six months of the year, they get this stipend. I think it's like, at the time it was like 1200 euros, but this was five or six years ago. So that you're taken care of. And because if you're working the freelance performative arts, it's understood that you're not going to be working 12 months a year. So it's, it's, because I've had a lot of issues with social welfare in the last 10 years in that I go in and they go, what? I don't understand what, you know, I, know, I would love absolutely. if the social welfare system or if the government acknowledge that you have these freelance performers like and, and not just performers stage managers costume designers so set many designers very few yeah, people are on a steady payroll and all of these people are necessary to make the beautiful theater art that we love consuming that if there were uh support and uh in an infrastructure in place to support these people on their downtimes i think that that would be and i think in one sense we're being given um, I was listening to Michael D. Higgins's wife recite a letter he wrote to the EU yesterday as part of Dear Ireland. And he oh, yeah. mentioned this golden opportunity we're being given to reimagine how this country supports and encourages um, its cultural sector. I think that would be ideal. I mean, I'm not probably not qualified to go into that on a like more microeconomic yeah. level, but just in my own life, it'd be great if the social welfare stuff was there and if um, there were there was more funding for projects and bursaries and theater yeah. institutions. And throwing back to the kind of funding idea, how much support, like for me, I think supporting the artists at the baseline, supporting yeah. the fringe festivals. Yeah. I, that's 100%, where I see the yeah. most amazing art created. Yeah. But maybe bigger established companies get more of the money. Yeah. Um, I've kind of been thinking what if that money was spread around a bit yeah, more? Do I you think, think that's possible? I, I think that's. I think it is possible for, and I think it's hugely important. And that's why I mentioned this twenty-five million that the the yeah. the government is going to give to the what artists. Did you, like you said only only nine million of yeah. that is going to go to freelancers. And in order to get that nine million, we will have to do very arduous arts council applications. And so, there was a lot of us. And there, it's very competitive. Yeah. So I would absolutely love to see more. Of, I'm not saying take the funding away from larger institutions, but I'm saying there is a huge sector of freelance practitioners in Ireland, and they need support. I mean, arguably more than the institutions. And I'm sure people running the gate in the Abbey yeah. wouldn't agree with that. But of, yeah. I do think that oftentimes when it comes to these, when it comes to a pandemic, the people who are really going to suffer is people on the very bottom tier. So it's the, yeah. it's the people who are the most insecure, really, um, who don't have uh, salary jobs and who don't have institutions backing them. And that's like one of the main reasons for doing this podcast is I want people to hear from people like you yeah. and other artists that are coming in who are just grafting, making the work happen for themselves, but actually just please give them like a little bit of support. Yeah. Give yeah. them something where they can go, mm. okay, I don't have to like drag myself out of this kind of hole and make it happen. Yeah. I can be out of the hole yeah. and make it happen. Yeah, yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I totally... I think it's a huge issue. And I think what's great about something like a podcast like this is I think we have to talk about, like I've always been very transparent about what I get paid with other people. And I'm, I will ask people what they get Which paid. Which is a big like talking yeah, subject. Because I agree with you. Yeah, we should be telling we have people to know, yeah. what we're getting paid. But then some people are like, don't talk about no, it. No, it's very, I've never been met with. <laughs> people are normally very open, but like no one will ever start that conversation with me. And I think it's really important no. too, because we don't have a standardized rate in terms of what we get paid to have these conversations. So like, Likewise, I think it's really important for freelancers like ourselves to talk about just how difficult it is and also how 
many, because I said at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, we're gonna lose loads of artists in this pandemic. I can feel it. And I still think that's probably the case unless the government keeps stepping up and finding creative ways and money to support the industry at this time, this unprecedented time. So mm -hmm. I think it's important that people know how difficult it is because I think from the outside, people see me on posters or in shows or, and they go, ah, you're great. You know, she's, you she's know. incredible. She's a star. Uh, yeah. Everything's, <laughs> you know, easy for me. And the reality is, is it's so difficult to make a living and most of my friends are, are double jobbing and they don't want to be. Yeah. Of course we don't want to be. It's, always been the ethos in my family that how much money you make is not proportionate to your value in society and it's not proportionate to your talent or your skill yeah. and I thank God for that because I think otherwise it would be really difficult if I was comparing myself to people like my dad for example who is in an essential service because he's a biomedical engineer and yes. he's just been you know there's been no change to his work whatsoever he's working from home and he goes in two days a week but I think that for me at the start of lockdown was really upsetting because you just realize in a way that I'd never felt so viscerally that we are dispensable and that yeah. if push comes to shove, of course they're going to keep, of course, I'm not saying they shouldn't fund healthcare and education, but oh my the God, arts of course, is just going to be, saying that, no, like. no, it's like, that makes sense to me, but it's just that it's really disturbing how <laughs> the bottom of your industry can fall out overnight and there can be like almost nothing um, yeah. there to catch you. Now that said, I'm very lucky I'm on the pandemic unemployment payment which has been a lifesaver yeah. and they've extended that which is great um because they have they have been like really good as well you know i know i think it's shown a lot of holes mm. and there is a bit of a crisis when it comes to the yeah. art in arts industry um and for me i think the main thing is we need to let people know how important the arts are what we do we're not just you know I loved to sing as a kid and now I'm doing it as a job. Like there's a lot that comes with it. If you were to talk to someone who was like, your industry is not essential or we don't need you. Oh God. Like, what could you say to them? That's such a difficult question. I, I don't know what I'd say to them. I think I'd have to be holding myself back from yeah, drop kicking them. I don't, like I don't. And wanting I mean, to cry. Yeah, I'm crying, <laughs> crying and drop kicking simultaneously. Like, I don't think... That could be a new piece. Let's create that. Drops, <laughs> dropping and crying. I don't think, I think that those same people, I hope those people don't exist. And if they do, you would go, well, what did you do over lockdown? Do you think they did might you exist? I think did you watch TV? Yeah. Did you read poetry? Did you pick up a postcard? Did you see a nice painting? If you did mm -hmm. any of those things during lockdown, if you weren't just working and cooking, I mean, even cooking can be a form of art, like in the right context. Of course. Then yeah. you are engaging with the arts and you should, the same way that you get paid for your job, I think that artists need to be paid for their job as well. And like we spoke about mental health earlier, these things help our mental health well like we do it as a career so in a way we're lucky because we have to yeah. face our demons yeah but at the same time for people who play an instrument for fun or paint mm. they have their job and then they come home mm. this is their mental health yeah outlet. yeah but if they go to a show they're watching professional musicians you know there are very yeah. few people that don't engage with i mean something came out during the lockdown and it was that more people went to theater last year than to sport so wow. if, yeah, the, I, I can't remember where I read that, but it was, and I think maybe theater was like music, mm -hmm. the, um, plays, um, performance art, you know, visual installations, whatever. And then there's also a sense in which I read a lovely quote during lockdown and I'm going to butcher it now, but it had something to do with the fact that this person wasn't worried about proving that the arts were essential because he knew that when push came to shove, when something like a global pandemic happens, people turn to the arts. Yes, I saw something like that. So this is a poem on Facebook uh, called, that I found on Facebook called Artist and it's by someone called Madhu R. So that's M-A-D-H-U. And it says, I don't mind being the non-essential. Even a child takes its mother for granted. It does not run back to its mother until it's hurt. Nobody first thinks of water when they arrive at an exquisite dinner party until they are choking. I don't mind being the non-essential, knowing you will come looking when things are broken and nothing else works. Art is non-essential until it is not. Edit out us crying. <laughs> yeah, chills, yeah. But that's you know, so beautiful. That's true. That is amazing. I mean, that's why you and I have dedicated our lives to... And you, have to, you do have to have so much strength to being like, I know how important this is, even if people don't get it. But it's enough that it, it's really hard, but it is enough that it matters to us 
And then it's a th something that is worth fighting for and fighting to protect the people who... Also, how it. lovely is it to be just read a poem? I went on Instagram and asked people... Yeah, um, what, Yeah, what they would ask an artist if I happened to be mm. talking to a diverse group of artists <laughs> about this time. Um, so I have a few questions. All right. Um... Not all would apply to you. I, I'm going to ask one from Amy, though. Oh, my God, yes. Just because um, she said, how do you, how do they, how do you stay motivated? And have you tried alternative ways, ways to use your craft? Hmm. How do I stay motivated? God. Um, That's also similar to a friend of mine, Anne-Marie, who asked, how do you how stay, do motivate stay motivated to train and study? without things coming up. So I suppose you could tie them in together. I find it very difficult. I'm a dancer. Um, I struggle to make myself take class, but what I do do is I move my body. So I find, I would really recommend, and I know Amy's doing a lot of work at the moment and she's loving it. So I would recommend finding, if you're a dancer, for example, finding a form of exercise that you enjoy and that yeah. suits you and just stick into that because you could get very ambitious and say, I'm going to do an hour of ballet in the morning and an hour of contemporary and not do it. So I do circuit training uh, in this lovely gym in uh, the west of Ireland when I'm there three times a week or four times a week. And it suits me grand. I go in the morning, 45 minutes. He shouts at us. We do our thing. Beautiful. And then it's done. And that suits me fine. And then in terms of using my craft, one thing that I did do, which was lovely actually, was uh, Liz Roach had a dance symposium. This is way back now. This is in like April, maybe. Okay. And as part of the symposium, which normally would be live, they commissioned um, several dance freelancers to make pieces, uh, video pieces. <laughs> so I went out with me into the west of Ireland and we made these very like paired back um, pieces one called Buiren and the other one called um, Quarantine Dances and we I just moved with my boyfriend who is also a wonderful mover and he oh. did guitar underneath it so yeah I think it's you know I'm lockdown makes us reassess our priorities and why it is we do the thing we love and what was nice about that video was I really didn't effort to didn't make an effort to make it virtuosic I just made an effort to speak with love about the place I'm from and actually it was a lovely yeah. piece of art that was for me I like obviously when lockdown hit I was like great I'm going to be a goddess but or a goddess mama why not yeah but I'm gonna be an Adonis by yeah. the end of this lockdown I'm gonna have such a six-pack and me and my sister started doing these crazy workouts they were, so they were insane <laughs> And after like three or four weeks, I was like, fuck this. You hurt your like, back. Is, yeah. I hurt my back. I put my back out. I was determined. There um, were a lot of uh, lockdown injuries. I hurt my foot just running 5K. I like, I jog sometimes, but I was like, I'm going to go far, far. It, and I injured my foot and I couldn't move. For yeah. Weeks. And after I put my back out, I was like, I'm not meant to move. <laughs> so, but I have, I think you're so right of picking something that you love to get yeah. yourself moving. Because I've kind of started doing like these kind of dance oh, yes. Zumba videos and you just laugh at yourself. Yes. But perfect. finally, I feel like I'm kind of getting back to some sort of fitness normality. Yeah. It's really hard though. It really hard. It's so hard. I'm going to hit you with another question. Um, is digitalizing the art something that scares you or excites you? Because this is happening for you. Um. <laughs> Well, I feel like I'm lucky in some senses in this pandemic, only in that when I came back to study drama in Ireland, I went to Bow Street, which is an academy that is specifically for screen acting because I'm very interested in dance on film. So that cool. has been super convenient. I would be, you know, even before this pandemic, I was doing a lot of, I like doing music videos and purely for the reason that I could, I normally I'll spend six weeks mm, rehearsing a dance performance and then we might have five performances and maybe like 400 people will see it. If I'm doing dance on film, I can like rehearse for a couple of days and then I might do a day's work. Yeah. And then essentially the number of people that can see that film is unlimited because you can share it on so many different platforms. So I've always been very interested in um, digitalizing theater performances where possible, but simultaneously, I think it shouldn't be that that, that is now a replacement for the real thing. The real thing is it, it, live theater. There is no equivalent. And I mean, they've done all these lovely studies on, they measured the heartbeats of people watching live theater and good live theater, everyone's heartbeat will sink which is probably something you can feel in a room yeah. when something, something meaningful is happening, but they never had studies on it. And now they're doing studies and they realize that it's really profound actually being in a room yeah. and watching live theater. So I would say it's something we need to embrace as much as possible. 
but also not forget our You roots. sent me a gorgeous article um, and it was John O'Brien. Mm, yeah. Um, well, it was a load of different artists mm. and they, were, was it Irish Times? Or? Yeah, or The Independent, I yeah. don't know. And he put it really nicely. If you want to go and find that mm. article, like loads of people put things really beautifully, but he spoke about being in the room with people mm. and how it makes you feel and that, you know, watching it online just isn't the same. No, no. And it's not the same. No. You know, no. and I think some things I really enjoy watching, like mm. Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Mm. But other things I've watched and I'm like, I know if I was in the theatre, I would be so invested in this. Mm. But for now, I'm going to switch you off yeah. because I it's not it's translating not for me or giving no. me the same no. feeling. Yeah. You know? No, there's no equivalent, but I think it is good to, I mean, even VR, you know, I would have been, uh, James suggested this VR performance uh, as a, an alternative for the live performance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we, okay. But then actually when I saw it, you know, he has this headpiece and I, when I put the video on oh, of yeah. our show, Arash Arish, actually it's really interesting and it's very intimate and it mimics theater in the sense that when you're watching it, you can adjust your head to look at whatever point on the screen you want to. So that actually kind of mimics a theater experience where you would direct your gaze very naturally. Oh, cool. So actually when I watched it, I went, this is actually really cool so i'm trying to be um open-minded and optimistic because yeah. i'm not a tech savvy person at all okay but you are interested in all that i am side really of interested in it so yeah. what advice like for me i just don't really put videos up like that mm. or i loved watching all my friends put up gorgeous videos and i recorded a few things and that was kind of enough mm. for me just to record them yeah. and have that outlash and you know, and I sent them to maybe some friends and they'd send some stuff back. Mm. And that was kind of enough for me. But for someone like me, mm. and I'm sure so many who main career is based in theatre, how would, and wants an outlet, I want to get mm. back out there and be sharing what I do and maybe sharing it in a new way. Mm. What advice could you give being someone who puts stuff up every now and again yeah. or is interested in that side of things? I do put stuff up. I think... I think my main advice would just be have fun with what you're trying, you know? So if mm. like, for example, Ferg, you're starting a podcast because you want to start a podcast. When, if you have an instinct towards something like that, I would say try it and just enjoy it. And don't also don't take it too seriously because sometimes I go to put something on Instagram if I'm in, you know, if I'm in, um, I was in residency in Dance House and I said, oh, I better put up a video of me dancing because they liked to tweet this person was in residency. Yeah. And, you know, you can get really like, picky and finicky and yeah and like oh it's not good enough but then at the end of the day it's probably grand people like you dancing who's judging you know i think we're always our worst critics so it's also the only person who's judging yourself is you is you and most people are like oh that's nice yeah and if anyone else is judging you who cares it doesn't most of the time go for it so i would say put yourself out there have fun with it if you I want have to. also very mixed feelings about social media, but I would say if you have a curiosity for something, like you're saying, dive in. Yeah. And even in the process, you'll learn that it's not for you, that it is for you. You'll, you know, find another direction. It's always worth trying. Cool. I love this question as well. Um, mm, not that one. What's your main incentive to, s- incentive to stay in the arts when the future is so uncertain? <sighs> so obviously you have two little options now. Yeah. Could you fall into doing psychotherapy full time? Or are you like, no, I'm an artist. I'm sticking it out. I don't know. You know, I mean, I always, I think with the psychotherapy, it's like, I still have three years to go. It's the kind of thing you're not going to know until you try it. It's such an amazing course. And I I really recommend it for anybody. I did the open day for it. Yeah. Mm. Great. It's really, really interesting stuff. And you meet very interesting people. But I would say that um, as part of uh, Brew Theatre's Arash Arish, we were up the side of a mountain last week. And I, in the story, I'm playing um, a woman from Connemara who goes to England and falls on hard times and becomes a sex worker to support herself. And then when she comes back to her village in Connemara, she has a, she's drinking too much and she makes a show of herself. Okay. I said in inverted commas. And uh, her dad uh, turns her away again. And it's very, very... Very sad story, very like many old Irish stories. But we were up the side of a mountain and um, 
as is the case with most of the work I do when it's outside, it's never like an upbeat piece. I'm always doing these like really emotional, like laughing, crying, drunken, falling pieces. And then there's like families on their bank holiday, you know, like filing up the mountain. Like, Abby, yeah. what's that girl doing? And it's like That's kind of- the local crazy dancer. <laughs> it's kind of wildly embarrassing. There's a camera there, thank God, a small camera. So people are like, oh, it's something legitimate yeah. in full costume. But so that made me laugh. But whenever I do, I really had a moment last week where I was like, oh, I love doing this so much. It really gives me a lot to perform. And I kind of, it's sort of the calmest I am ever is when I'm performing. And it, mm -hmm. I feel like I understand myself and I understand the world better when I'm on stage. So it's sort of a compulsion, I would say. If I could have stopped, Ferg, I would have stopped. But yeah. I love it so much and... Um, that keeps me going. Also, I have amazing parents. And whenever yeah. I'm feeling rubbish, they're like, no, Stephanie, you have to keep going. It is. There's another question I do want to ask you as well, but it is that thing of I kind of stepped away from being so serious with my yeah. art. Um, and I then had to make some audition videos. I didn't have to make them. I wanted to make mm. them and send them in. And I half was like, oh my God, this is so stressful. Why are we having to do this? And then the other half of getting dressed up, setting up a little <laughs> camera, like setting up my little area, being a little bit artistic and then just singing kind of made me go, oh yeah, this yeah. is why. Yeah, it's it's really so, magic. you can't even describe it. That's very beautiful. But the other question is, now this is directed towards singing, so you can kind of switch it up for a dance. Um, have you been able to sing slash dance or have you been overwhelmed to practice? And this is something I wanted to mm. ask because I was overwhelmed to mm. practice and I kind of had to make the conscious decision mm. of going, no, yeah. I'm going to stop and I'm going to focus on other things and I'm going to take this time. Yeah. But some people find real comfort in mm. their art. Other people might need to step away from it. Mm. And when I got that question, I was like, oh, mm. someone else... I don't know, maybe they didn't feel like that, but I was like, oh, someone else possibly had that feeling. Did you have that or? Yeah, I definitely, it's been very overwhelming. I think it was, it's also like just this thought of like, you know, cause as a dancer, you spend so much time training, trying to keep the body mm. fit and able, stretching so that when the opportunity comes up, you're, you're ready. And then I think that this thought that just kept coming up a lot in pandemic was like, what am I getting ready for? You know, know. is there even gonna be something next year is there yeah. gonna be something next year i'm 30 i'll be 31 next year you know like so i've i've have found it very very difficult and i'm that's what i meant about like kind of taking classes it's like i'm not doing ballet every day but i'm trying to move, move. every day so that's just i mean i'm someone i have to move like just yeah. to remain um functioning in society so i'm finding classes that i enjoy doing and i'm doing those because i have found it very difficult to engage with dance but i think that that's so interesting because for me i've almost found the reason why I started again. Well, that's I've good. always found, I've almost found yeah. like the joy again. And rather than being like, I have to prepare for this. Yeah. I need to do these things in case this yeah. comes up. I need to, and yeah. thinking about it like a business, mm. kind of having that same mindset starting off and then being like, no, mm. stop this. And then just finding myself sitting at the piano and playing or mm. finding myself singing along or doing a little mm. bit of movement and being like, yeah. oh yeah, this is why I do it. Yeah. So I think for me, I'm like, I need to remember this mm. when I step back into working yeah. and almost create, like I said yeah. before, I find it very hard to compartmentalize. So I think That's I need good. to learn to be like, this is why I create. Mm. This is me working. Yeah. I think that you makes know? total sense, Ferg. And I think it has been a nice time for, because I suppose that's one thing that I find when I step away from anything long enough is that I go like, I'll go like, oh, I can't do it anymore. It's too yeah. hard. And then inevitably, a month later, six weeks later, I'd be like, well, I kind of just feel like, do you know, it mm. does. It's so built into our DNA, I think, that stuff yeah. at this point that I have found myself, um, yeah, coming for sure, for sure. I'm always, yeah, yeah, being creative somehow. Yeah. I'm going to give you, I'm going to spell out lockdown for you. Yeah. Okay. okay. And I'm going to give you the letter and I want you to <laughs> give me one word Free associate. to what the, what the arts mean to you. Oh. Okay. Very good. Okay. I came up with that on the way in. All right. I'm, I'm doing my darndest not to think about, not to spell it. So just, just. So, L. Love. I feel like we'll get that a lot. Yeah. O. Opportunity. Ooh, C. Care. K. Kinesthetic. D. 
down. O. Opportunity, overt, opulence. Let's go with opulence. You own everything. <laughs> w. Wonder. Oh, yes. And N. New. Cool. I want to ask you one final question. Can you tell us in your own words, why are the arts essential? Here we go. Why are the arts essential? Um, The arts are essential to me, which is kind of the only question I can answer, because the cultural space, as Michael D. Higgins would call it, offers me somewhere to step outside of my life long enough to have perspective about um, what it is that matters to me and my values and what it is I care yeah. about. Um, because I think a lot of the time in modern life, we're just going and going, and going, and we're trying to put food on the table and paying taxes and arts, the arts is where I go to have a think about who it is I want to be and where it is I want to go. Mm-hmm. That is beyond all of those like plain logistics. And I think like that poem I read earlier, it's what I go to when I'm really, uh, low. You know, so it's really like my, for me, it's really gives me a sense of purpose and meaning and vocation. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. That was amazing. And that's it. I'm hoping that through this podcast, these incredibly talented people can raise awareness for an industry that is so important to many and so dear to myself. Next time you pick up a book, get inspired by an article, have a dance around the kitchen to some music, or lose yourself in a film. Spare a thought for the artists who show up every day for an industry that is essential to every single one of us. And let's keep the conversation going. Let's talk about the arts. <laughs>